You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Don't live in the past, on past experiences, what God once did. Get hold of a fresh experience with Jesus daily. Just go for it. If you don't, soon your heart will grow cold. And before you know it, you will be defeated. In the book of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 10, in verse 12, there we are exhorted along these same lines. Let him that thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. If you look back over your life, you'll see God working. You find His grace in the times you sinned, and His blessing in various circumstances. But is that all you're relying on for your continued relationship with Him? Today, Pastor Mike encourages you to look not just to your past, but also to your present. Jesus is with you today, right here, right where you are. He has grace for what you're going through now. You can ask Him now for a renewed heart and a deeper walk of faith. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Peter chapter 3 with today's edition of In My Father's House. Let's go ahead and read that text of scripture, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow, here's the exhortation, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Father, we pray now that you'd bless. Lord, as we treat these final two verses, these exhortations that are served up for us in Peter's epistle, God, we thank you for this series. Lord, we thank you for all that we've learned. Father, I pray that it would really help us to become the kind of men and women that you want us to become. And Lord, continue that work and processing. Father, as we study that subject of the grace of God and growing in it. God, we thank you. Lord, bless now. God, let my words be your words. For we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Peter here, notice in his closing remarks, has much to say to us. These are his last words. And have you noticed that the last words that are recorded for us in all of the books of the Bible are very significant ones. The final charges, the final conversations. Now here, in light of the prevailing turning away in the church that is turning away from the truth, of the scriptures, Peter makes two recommendations. What are those recommendations? 
First of all, and if you're taking notes, write this down, to stand true, number one. And then secondly, to grow strong. Now, let's take them in that order. As to the first, to stand true, notice, go back to our text in verse 17. The key word there is steadfastness. Now, what are we talking about? Well, the idea here is following resolutely, unswervingly, going in one direction. We're to prove our new life by boldly heading in one direction. And so let's refer to that direction as the upward direction, the upward way. Now, Peter says, notice, stand true, lest the devil's beguiling and subtle schemes cause us to stumble from the upward way down to the lower way, if I can use that analogy. And notice also, let's go back to our text in verse 17. I want you to notice the word warning. It is a warning. He uses the word beware. In other words, keep on guard. Now, this word beware is actually a military term. It was coined to refer to the military. And it was used in reference to something of an extreme value being watched over and protected by armed soldiers. Now, listen, I can't think of anything more worthy, more valuable than our soul. Our soul is of an extreme value. Let me give you a cross-reference here. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter 6, and verse 11, as it relates to guarding our soul, protecting our soul. In Ephesians chapter 6, and verse 11, Paul there tells us, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wilds of the devil. And in that list, for example, we have the helmet of salvation, which protects our mind. We have the breastplate of righteousness, which protects our, our heart. Our feet shod with the gospel of peace. That is, we are to continue to walk in the gospel, the sword of the Spirit, always praying, etc. All of these things. We are to arm ourselves with these pieces of armor, as Paul puts it. We are to be completely clothed. And if we are completely clothed, the enemy then doesn't have any advantage. There's no vulnerability. He can't come in and attack us in any area of our lives. Gang, listen, the reason the devil is successful in turning God's people is because they're not committed to this kind of steadfastness. Let me give you an example of this. At least once or twice a year, I have the opportunity and privilege to travel to other states, visit other churches, sometimes speaking at those other churches. And over the years, I've made a lot of uh, friends. So you go back and you acquire about so-and-so, you haven't seen them in a while, and then here comes, unfortunately, the story. Those same folks who were at one time really devoted to God, His Word, who were soul winners, have now become defeated, and they left off following the Lord. They are in a backslidden condition. Now, how did that happen? Did the Lord fail them? Well, let me give you a cross-reference. In the 89th Psalm, in verse 33, don't blame God. In the 89th Psalm, in verse 33, and here God is speaking to Israel in their backslidden condition, but this would also relate to anyone who is in a backslidden condition. He says there, My loving kindness I will not utterly take from him. I will not allow my faithfulness to fail. So listen, if anyone turns away from God, it's not God's fault. 
It's a choice and a decision, a willful choice and decision that the person has made. You see, the backslidden has overlooked the importance of focusing their vision in the proper direction. That is, if I can use that analogy again, the upward way. Now, Paul was committed to following after that upward way, and he put it this way when he wrote to the church at Philippi in the book of Philippians in chapter 3, in verses 13 and 14. He said, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, you know, so much more room for him to uh, grow, so many more experiences to go through in his relationship with the Lord, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. That was his commitment. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, all of the successes, all of the victories, all of the miracles, how profoundly he was used by God, he says, I forget those things which are behind, and I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And therefore, I press towards or pursue earnestly the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Folks, that's steadfastness. That's the steadfastness that Peter is recommending here in our text. We're moving in one direction, the way of the Lord. Listen, don't live in the past, on past experiences, what God once did. Get hold of a fresh experience with Jesus daily. Just go for it. If you don't, soon your heart will grow cold. And before you know it, you will be defeated. In the book of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 10, in verse 12, there we are exhorted along these same lines. Let him that thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. As a reminder, remember now, Paul is writing to uh, Christians here. So listen, any of us could fall into sin, the old paths. That is, if you neglect this steadfastness that Peter is recommending to us here in this text. And if you do, you can be sure that it's going to happen. Okay, so at this point you might be thinking, or you might say, well, I don't want to become a casualty in my experience with the Lord, but how do I go about that? How do I continue to be steadfast? Well, the answer to that question is by simply depending upon Jesus and Him alone. Because the truth of the matter is you can't keep yourself. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 12, in verses 1 and 2, there we are told, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, where the Bible goes on to tell us where he ever lives to make intercession for us, our great high priest. So again, we look to Jesus. That's how we overcome. That's how we maintain this steadfastness that's being recommended to us here in this text. So, who can deal with weights and sin in our own strength and ability? The answer is none of us. Is steadfastness hopeless then? No. What do we need to do? Well, as I've already suggested, we need to look to Jesus because he alone is our source of strength and help. Now, what does that look like? Well, we need to confess our weaknesses, our helplessness with sincerity, our hearts laid bare before the Lord. We need to cry out to him for our help 
in temptation. And that's what Hebrews chapter 12, that text that I just read, looks like. Let me give you another cross-reference. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, in verse 13, and this is such a precious promise. There we are told, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. So listen, you're never going to go through any experience, whereas someone else hasn't gone through that same experience, and God helped him or her, and in the same way, God will help you. So don't get into that mindset, well, your situation is unique, your temptation is unique. Not true. What does it say here? It says, accept what is common to man. And then he goes on to declare, God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, that is, if you will make your appeal unto him, if you'll look to him for your strength and the steadfastness. But with that temptation, also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Listen, gang, God is faithful. You can place your trust in him. Let me give you another cross-reference. In 1 Corinthians, in chapter 15, in verse 58, here's a great exhortation, instruction. There we are told, be steadfast, there's that word again, unmovable, always abounding. And you might want to underline those two words, always abounding, because that's also the secret to steadfastness. In the work of the Lord, for as much you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So in other words, what the writer Paul is suggesting here, that your labor is profitable. That is, you're working alongside of God to establish his kingdom. And it'll serve to strengthen your spiritual health. But also, as I mentioned before, always abounding. There's the key. Because if you think about it, a moving target is hard to hit. And the enemy is going to have a hard time, you know, to hit you. That is, if you're moving, if you're abounding in the work of the Lord. So some great exhortations served up for us here. Now, let's go back to our text. The second exhortation that's recorded for us here in verse 18, not only are we to be steadfast, but we are to grow up and be strong in the Lord. Here we are exhorted, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what a necessary recommendation that is. Now, over the years, numbers of people have been swept away in the wind of false doctrine. Remember, this section is dealing with those false teachers who are promoting all of these false doctrines that had crept into the, the church, that had a destructive and devastating effect upon the various churches that Peter was writing to. But nevertheless, there were many who were following these false teachers. Now, why was that? Well, those individuals were never grounded in the Word of God. They never grew up to maturity. They didn't know how to handle, process, or discern the Word of, of God. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 5, let me give you a cross-reference for this. In chapter 5, in verses 12 through 14, there in the form of a rebuke, he says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. So in other words, their growth had been stunned. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, and he remains a babe. 
but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Okay, so these spiritual infants, we are found in all churches. They're weak, they're feeble, they're easily hurt, they're whiners, they cannot walk without falling. And this continues to go on. That is because they're not steadfast. They're never given themselves to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some of them have gone through a genuine conversion experience, but they stay in that infantile condition for many years, for 10, 20 years some. Peter says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord. And gang, listen, if you're going to grow, you must have food, manna from heaven, and what is that? Well, it's a reference to, it's just another way to refer to the Word of God. Eating the Word of God. Studying the Word of God. Being in the Word of God regularly. Seeking God's purposes in it. His plan for your life. Receiving counsel and instruction from the Word of God. So what does that take? you got to spend time. you got to make that kind of a commitment. You need to discipline yourself. You need to spend time with God regularly. And if you do, your life will flourish. And you can be sure your joy will increase. But here's the question. How much of you does Christ actually have at this moment? Are you continuing to be a babe? Or are you growing and abounding in his marvelous grace? You know, it would be good to ask yourself this question from time to time. You know, just to make sure that you're progressing in your relationship, in your walk with the Lord. Now, finally, I want you to notice how Peter, let's go back to our text, closes out his epistle. And he says, To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. And what a wonderful way to conclude this epistle. For that matter, anything. You say, what am I referring to? I mean, listen, when we lay our head down upon our pillow, we're about to go to sleep, and we're reflecting back upon the course of our day at night while we're there lying in our bed, can we honestly say that everything that we did that day was done to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ? And listen, anything less is wasted time. In your home, at work, at school, in all of your associations, and most importantly, what will you say at the end of your life? Will you be able to say with Peter that to him be glory both now and forever? Amen. Listen, such an experience demands a full commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So once again, let me pose that question to you. Do you belong entirely to Jesus? Is your life and everything that you have and own really His? If not, come to Him now. Don't delay. Surrender all. Let Him unfold to you a brilliant future filled to overflowing with His greatness and blessing. Forget the past, you know, all of your accomplishments, your sins, whatever. You know, today is a new day in Christ. Start living anew with the Lord Jesus. Give yourself wholly to him. Now, we're going to revisit the final, last verse 
here in chapter 3, in verse 18, in just a moment, and we're going to be discussing the subject of, which I think is a very significant and important one, growing in the grace of God. We're in 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 18. Here we're exhorted by Peter in his concluding message, his final charges and exhortations. He says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to Him, be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Now, the subject that we are about to treat is something that should be deeply interesting to all Christians. Here's the question. Are we growing in grace? Are we making progress going forward? These were the concerns of Peter in these final charges of his here in his epistle. So to everyone who is downright earnest about their soul, who hungers and thirsts after spiritual life, these questions should hit home with searching power. You know, surely it becomes us from time to time to examine ourselves, to take that account of our souls and ask ourselves that question, are we getting on going forward in spiritual things? Are we growing in grace? Now, in considering this subject, there are two things which I wish to bring forward and establish. The first of which is the reality of Christian growth. In other words, there is such a thing as growing in grace, and that's the subject that we're going to be tackling. And the next, the means of Christian growth, the means used by those who desire to grow in grace. Okay, so the first point I want to propose to establish this evening, there is such a thing as growth in grace. Now, not to be confused, when I speak about growing in grace, I do not mean for a moment that a believer in Christ can grow any more in safety, acceptance with God, or security. I do not mean that he can ever be more justified, pardoned, forgiven of his sins, more at peace with God than he is the first moment he believes, that is, on his conversion experience. You see, the justification of a believer is a finished and complete work, and the weakest saint, though he may not know it or feel it, is as completely justified as the strongest of saints. So, our election, our calling, and standing in Christ amid of no degrees. You know, Paul put it this way, writing to the church at Colossae, in the book of Colossians in chapter 2, in verse 10, in the first part of that verse, he says, every believer is complete in Christ. The idea here is that nothing can be added to his or her justification from the moment he or she believes, and nothing can be taken away. Okay, so... When I speak of growing in grace, I only mean that is in the degree, in the size, in the strength, in the vigor and power of the graces which the Holy Spirit plants in a believer's heart. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house. This has been another edition of In My Father's House, the ministry of Harvest Christian Fellowship with Pastor Mike. Thanks for joining us. The book of 2 Peter teaches the importance of growing in your faith. When you accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, it doesn't end there. Jesus transforms you beginning that first day. 
and he continues to do so as you allow him access to your life. Each new truth you hear from God's Word has the potential to change you, but you have to decide to let it. It's our desire at In My Father's House to present Jesus to you through each program, and we pray He's already making an impact in your life. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, visit harvestnyc.org and click on the Resource tab. We invite you to visit us too. Join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. To find out more and reserve your seat, visit harvestnyc.org. Or just join us online for worship through the live stream if you can't be with us in person. We'd be honored if you join us in any way you are able to. Be sure to sign up for our email list for daily devotionals and the latest event information at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We'd also ask that you prayerfully consider supporting the ministry of In My Father's House through donation. We appreciate every gift given and will use it to reach more people with the Word of God. Find out more and donate securely online by clicking the Donate tab at harvestnyc.org. Thanks for giving and for being a part of today's listening audience right here on In My Father's House. Oh, my heart, not be troubled.